what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. In today's episode of The Written Compass, I have the pleasure of talking with Dr. Kamisha Swanson, who is not only an amazing university professor uh, who loves literature, particularly African-American literature, she is also a homeschool mom, and she happens to be the copy editor for us at Synergy Wellness for our embodied writing programs. And in today's episode, we are going to talk lots of different things about writing from Dr. Swanson's earliest memory of writing a letter to her parents after being punished for something that she did not feel she deserved, all the way to talking about her upcoming book that is all about the amazingness of Black women's sexuality that is portrayed in literature. Welcome. We are so excited you are here. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Written Compass. Shana Hartman here, and I am super excited for today's episode because I have a wonderful formal colleague, friend, and current copy editor for our Embodied Writing Programs, Dr. Kamisha Swanson. Hi, welcome. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. I know, I'm excited to have you and hang out. Um, Just to get started, I want to introduce uh, Kamisha, Dr. Swanson here for a little bit, and then we're going to dive right into talking about our journey as um, in writing and some of her upcoming writing that um, you all will be able to access very soon. So uh, Kamisha Swanson, Randall Swanson, um, is a PhD. She's a college professor and a homeschool mom, and she loves nothing more than spending a relaxing day with family. However, she also enjoys fitness, baking, candle making, and curling up with a good book. And I can attest, we're going to have to plug KRS Studios because she is a wonderful painter. She has amazing cupcakes, and she makes candles. So we will definitely make sure we get people connected to you in that realm. You're just a creative person, which is really cool. Um, but her background is in literature. So it's obvious that she loves to read. She also has several published journal articles and is awaiting the publication of her first book, which we definitely want to talk about today. And she shares that like most people who love words, I'm a bit of an introvert and she loves editing um, because she gets to talk to the authors without actually talking to them. I love that. And play a small part in making sure the product they send out into the world is as beautiful and engaging as the text that made us love reading and writing in the first place. So good. So I want to start off with... Kamisha, what, when you think back, a lot of us have like early initial memories of writing. What is like one of your first memories of writing? Honestly, I don't have a really, really early memory, but I did mention that again, I'm an uh, introvert, so I'm kind of shy. Um, I do remember once being punished by my parents for something that I did. And I wrote them this very, very long letter of all of my feelings that I didn't feel comfortable enough to express. And I actually wrote my feelings out a lot um, when I was young. I still have diaries for when I wrote out all of these thoughts. Um, So some of my earliest memories of writing are honestly just writing out my feelings to parents or friends because I didn't feel comfortable and to express those things. Oh my gosh, same. That's so funny. We should we should um, ask like other. I'm curious if that's like a trend for English professors, <laughs> if their their first memories are of just kind of writing for themselves. And that's so interesting. And I love that. Yeah. And me too. I had various journals or whatever, and they were just a space for me to express. And I still, you know, all the day books and stuff that I have, I still 
do that very much today. But I love that you wrote that letter to your parents. I wonder, do you think they still have it somewhere? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I do think that was funny though. And I tell my students all the time that I'm shy and, and uh, introverted and they're like, well, how are you standing before this class teaching right. us every day, teaching hundreds of students? I'm like, this is really just a show. Being a teacher is pretty much performance and acting, but yeah it, yeah, it took a lot of courage to get to that point. That's true. And yeah, say, say more about that performance and acting, because I know you and I know your students do feel very connected to you. So what's, what's it like, you know, being an introvert, but also like very much being seen because you've, you've published, you've got a book on the way, you're in front of the class. Like, what is that like for you to share, really share your words in that very open way? Right. So I, especially at the beginning of the semester, I'm just as nervous as anybody who's done this for the first time ever. Go in with the little sweats and chills. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? Are they going to like me? Um, but after I get acclimated to the students in that particular environment, um, that particular classroom, it becomes more normal because my teaching is more like storytelling. I share a lot of my own experiences um, when I'm teaching because that's how I learn. And I think that other people learn through stories as well. Um, so I, I guess I'm still kind of practicing some of that sharing, um, even in my teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then how does that translate, you think, with your with your students, the people that you support with their own writing? Because many of them kind of like you shared, like they're nervous about, you're nervous about getting up in front of the class sometimes. And I feel that way too. It's so funny. I don't know any teacher that's not like on the first day, still got (laughs) the jitters. Um, I think that's what makes good teachers. But um, what do you, what do you see, you know, young writers, whether they're literally age young or just young to writing and expressing themselves, what do you feel like they're most apprehensive about? Hmm, good question. Well, honestly, I teach a lot of gen ed courses. And um, of course, I have some majors courses also. But oftentimes, the students who are in gen ed just honestly say, I don't think that I'm a great writer. They've been taught to think that writing should only look one particular way. And if they get anything wrong, then they're just not good at it. So oftentimes, they're just afraid to share and explore um, writing in general, because again, we have these particular systems and structures and all writing should look like this. At least that's the, the thoughts that they have in their head. Absolutely. And, and that's part of, I talk about that a lot on this podcast of really the disservice of the system, because very early on young students are taught that they need to speak and write in a particular way. And I'll just name the elephant in the room. It is usually a an assumption of what a white middle-class voice, you know, sounds like. So what do you do with that as, as a professor, knowing these students come and they have all these different backgrounds, just like a lot of the clients we work with, they have all these different backgrounds and they've got this baggage. Um, Yeah. What do you do with that? So we do uh, a lot of, I guess, uh, low stakes assignments where they get to write freely in whatever voice they come with into the classrooms. Mm. And I tell my students all the times that the things that you do and love and enjoy outside of class can also be used in the classroom. So Mm. I love hip hop. I use a lot of hip hop to teach them about writing just to let them know that, again, you can bring your own self to whatever this particular writing experience is. But also I try to do a lot of different 
forms of, I guess, writing or composition assignments. So we do a lot of multimodal things, uh, presentations where you get to just stand and speak freely, still being able to share those critical thoughts, but not in that uh, kind of stifling or systematic way. I love that. Can you tell me more? I know, I know some of the things you've done with hip hop in your classroom, but I think it's a really cool, I mean, hip hip hop is written words, right? That people share in music. Um, but like, what do you see is that connection between, cause I'm sure there's a lot of people who listen and are like, well, I like music. I like hip hop. I don't see how it's going to help me as a writer. Like, what do you see is that connection? What do you like to do with it? How do you play? So I use it especially a lot in my literature courses. I do use it in some writing courses also, but definitely in my literature courses because um, we're analyzing stories or poems mm-hmm. or things like that and have to tell students or remind them that essentially music is a poem, a story set to, uh, well, songs are uh, poems or stories set to music. I, I never forget I was teaching a poem. It was published in the early 1900s. So it was already kind of out of my students' range. They're like, how am I going to connect to this particular thing? I have no connections whatsoever. Um, So I taught that particular poem one day and they did not like it. And I was like, I can't understand. What am I supposed to get from it? Um, But then I brought in a Jay-Z song the next day um, that had a very, very similar message and asked them to analyze Mm. that song. And then I pulled up um, the poem that we had just discussed. And they're like, oh, I get it now. So, yeah, I I really enjoy experiences like those. Sometimes words can be tricky, especially if we already have these kind of negative thoughts about them. Um, But music helps us to, I guess, be more relaxed and comfortable again and think about that storytelling aspect. I love that. I love that. And so many the writers that I work with, like just starting with your story, I think is a way in. And also I love how like using Jay-Z, it's, it feels more accessible to that age group that you're talking to, but whatever it is, I feel, you know, you can have that kind of model to help support you in, you know, if you have a favorite author, you have a favorite rapper or musician or whatever, like go pull their words up in front of you and let that either inspire you or even use it. Like I, I love even helping people go, okay, they wrote this line like this. Now you go write a line like that and Mm -hmm. just kind of play back and forth and use it as a model and see what shows up by you just kind of getting into the things that, that you love. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Um, What do you love most about writing? Love that is freeing. Um, So it's somewhat of a stress relief. Of course, reading does the same thing. Um, But when you're reading, you are reading someone else's thoughts. Maybe you can connect to those. But writing allows you to get all of your anxieties or even those happy feelings that you don't want to uh, forget. It allows you time to sit down and actually think about um, certain things. So it's very much freeing for me. And I think that that's also one of the issues with um, students specifically who are saying that they don't like writing, they don't realize um, that it could be something helpful. It's not just a task or an assignment. Absolutely. And I always have to remember, like, you know, we we typically default to however we learn something, whatever it is we're trying we default to however we've seen it or, or learned it. And with writing, m- most people that I work with who are, you know, their culture, coaches, consultants, other teachers, you know, mompreneurs, whatever they may be, you know, and they're doing amazing and like thought leaders and all that kind of stuff. But 
with writing, they don't consider themselves a writer. And so they default to how they last saw writing being created, which was typically in a school setting. And yeah, it's so interesting just how, like, just when you start to expand a little bit, when you start to just be open to the words that want to show up in the moment and not really worrying like all the hows and how are you going to finish it and, you know, the task, seeing it as a task and just really being with the words in the moment, it is really powerful. Like the shift that can happen with really not that much effort. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, what do you find either for yourself personally, or you see, I think you kind of talked about it with your students, just struggling with that baggage um, that they come to the table, but for you personally, like what's the most difficult when you're working on a project, an article research? Um, what's the most difficult part for you? Honestly, I guess the most difficult part for me is kind of just zoning out. So, of course, we know we're kind of in this technological age now, social media, especially all the different distractions. So I have to kind of get in a happy place where I can just sit and be alone with my thoughts and words and not necessarily worry about whether or not I get 200 words or 10 words. Just sit there and, and be free and focus specifically on that particular thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, getting the words down is just, is, is the thing, right? Like and right. creating those writerly habits. Do you have, I'm curious, do you have a favorite space or way that helps you get into that groove? Well, I'm, I'm in a, a new home, so I'm still figuring out um, what that particular space is. Um, but honestly, as long as I can get some, I, I say peace and quiet, but actually I have to have a little noise in the background too. Otherwise oh, yeah. the, the, stillness or the complete quietness um, actually distracts me. So, but as long as I can get in a nice little quiet, comfortable space, um, yeah. I, I can pretty much be free. I haven't had a whole lot of time um, to do that. Of course, school is out now, so I have a little bit more time, but also time is mostly um, mm-hmm. a, a big issue for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Finding, finding that groove and finding the little pockets where you can just get your words down. Are you a, um, is your go-to pen to paper, fingers to keys, or are you verbal, like record? What's your go-to method? So, yeah, um, like I said, I honestly have most of my thoughts um, when I'm supposed to be sleeping. It's like brain doesn't want to shut off. Um, So I end up grabbing my phone and um, mm. typing down those particular thoughts so I don't forget them. And then I'll, maybe I'll come back and write them or uh, type them later. Um, nice. That has always been either I'm in the shower or in the yeah. bed. It's like, no, no, I don't want to have these thoughts <laughs> now because I don't want to forget them. But um, I think that anytime you have that kind of light to come on, it's good to be able to take some time and put those thoughts down, which is why I know lots of English majors or English teachers um, have those composition notebooks or some type of little mm-hmm. notebook handy at all times. Yeah, just capturing it like in the moment, even if it's just a couple words that you can signal yourself back to whenever you do get a, a space or time, like it doesn't have to be a big swath of time, but just, yeah, I love that. And yeah, the shower, I used to, I had a roommate in grad school who said she wrote her papers in the shower and I was like, I'm sorry, what? And I'm just envisioning like some, you know, waterproof situation going on. But she was like, no, I'm like washing my hair and then boom, I get these ideas. And then she would just go sit down and like, 
they were just, that's, that was her like inspiration. And then she would just go and do it. So I was like asking what it is for people because everybody's different. And I think that's, what's important too, is there's no one right way. It's really about finding your way that supports you um, the best. Yeah. Um, I want to know too, do you have a favorite author or book that maybe you always go back to or have read a couple times or just had that moment? Um, yeah, that just really, really hit you a certain way. Right. So I definitely have a favorite literary person or a favorite author, Zora Neale Hurston. <laughs> I mostly just love her attitude, her spunk, um, her, yeah, everything. <laughs> um, of course, I love uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God. I've read Same. it multiple times. I don't know how many times. And each time I find something different. And that's one of the things that I love about her and her writing also. So not only is it bold, but it's very critical and important, um, powerful. Um, I also really like Jasmine Ward, a more contemporary author. I think that she has some of those same qualities as Zora Neale Hurston, um, which is probably why I like her work as well. I need to look that one up. Yeah, Zora Neale Hurston is so great. I, re- I remember the first time reading Their Eyes Were Watching God, and I just felt like, oh, this is a language that I completely understand. Right. <laughs> For those who are familiar, it's it's got a very clear Southern you know, dialect and it is used big time, um, throughout the entire book and just, yeah. It, and it's also, you know, a very powerful, um, female character and yeah, I get it. Very unapologetic. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Very much so. I love that. Um, so tell us, uh, about your upcoming work. I know you've got a book in the work, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so definitely a good transition because my um, book is actually inspired by Zora Neale Hurston's work. Um, So, of course, she was writing during the Harlem Renaissance. So uh, lots of African-Americans, particularly African-American males, were very gung-ho about uh, Black uh, rights and making sure that we present ourselves in the best light, um, everything about the race. But she was like, wait, wait, Um, the race is important, but also uh, Black women in general. Let's focus on us. We're important. We need to discuss uh, Black female sexuality as well. so my uh, work is inspired by Zora Neale Hurston, and I look at lots of different depictions of Black female sexuality in literature and ultimately make an argument that um, women or characters who were like uh, Hurston's um, Janie, who um, are unapologetic, who express themselves freely, tend to have um, more success in relationships, in life in general, because they are bold and um, more aware of themselves and their surroundings. And honestly, um, just aren't afraid to maneuver different spaces. So again, I look a lot at um, Black female sexualities in my work. I love that. Yeah. So any idea? I know it's still in the works, but where, how can we connect with you and just follow you so we know right when and where to scoop up this, this book and and this work, this amazing work that you're doing? Right. So I am on uh, social media, Facebook and Instagram, specifically on Instagram, Mesh for Real, uh, M-E-S-H for 
Real. Um, and on Facebook, Kamisha Randall Swanson. Yes, this has been a long uh, writing process. So I actually don't have a specific date uh, for the book to come out, but it is in its final um, revising editing state. So hopefully soon. Yeah. And that's the thing. Kamisha's got a publisher and is a part of, um, right? This is, a, is this an edited work or collaborative? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a collaborative project and, and just for the behind the scenes, because I know a lot of people are interested in how can I publish? What are the ways to publish and all that sort of thing? This is a relatively normal element to the tradition, what I call the traditional publishing route, meaning you're with the publishing house and then you add on that you've got collaborators all together and it's just a journey. <laughs> right? Definitely. It's just a journey. Um, but it's amazing that you submitted that work and got accepted and are going to be a part of this. And we are super excited. I'll make sure that we have um, in the show notes the information to get connected to Kamisha. And like I said, she is more than just all the amazing stuff she does with um, literature and um black women and sexuality and teaching writing and all that good stuff. Like I said, she's got her own series of products and is just creative all around. And she also homeschools her amazing child who is young, but almost as tall as Kamisha. So (laughs) we both have man children (laughs) that we are are raising. Although I think yours might be creeping up on mine here soon. So too, too funny. Well, Kamisha, Dr. Swanson, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I really appreciate it. It's always great to hear from you and talk with you. And I know we'll stay connected. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you. As always, we want to hear from you. So be sure to tag this um, podcast, share it, and uh, tag us at Mesh for Real on Instagram and at Shana Hartman underscore. Until then, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Written Compass. If you are loving this content, then please share this episode and tag me on Instagram at Shana Hartman underscore. And if you're wondering how you can implement the ideas I share here and really begin creating your amazing book, I want to connect with you even more. Head over to shanahartman.com slash the written compass to learn even more about not only writing your book, but truly experiencing your words. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.